Good morning, everybody. I have. Uh, there are different kind of different seasons of the of the, of the year, and uh, in the way teaching goes too. And uh, you know, so uh, at the beginning of the year, I was with the high schoolers, and that was fun. I enjoyed them. And then I went down to the uh, the confirmation class. That was fun. I enjoyed them. And I'm back with you now. And it, it, it will be fun, and I will enjoy it. And it's just kind of one of those things that, you know, when, when, you, when you teach different age groups, um, the difference is, is pretty cool. You know, and... Uh, um, I, I have often told my confirmation class that I would love to be able to get them back when they're juniors in high school and spend a few weeks with them going back through the catechism. Yeah. You know, because when you're in eighth grade, you don't think like when you're in 11th grade. No, they do. They do. But it, it's, it's very different. And, uh, and then, of course, then you bring that um, to... Uh, you know, this group, you know, there are all kinds of different life experiences and, and everything else that, that come into uh, this conversation. And, uh, and so that this is, uh, it, it's kind of fun, and, uh, and I enjoy that. Um, and uh, I always have a little bit of humor when I, when I teach, and usually the joke is on me. And it is again today. Uh, I printed out not enough handouts, and then when I tried to print more handouts, I printed the whole packet. Um, so if you didn't get a handout, um, you have plenty of room for notes. <laughs> so um, let's pray and, uh, and we'll get into uh, the topic here. Father in heaven, we thank you for today and we thank you for your many blessings and, uh, and we thank you for the different stages of life that we, we live in and uh, that we grow through. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us to continue to grow uh, in, in our faith and in our trust for you and in our understanding of your word. And we pray, Lord, that, uh, that you would bless and defend us and, and that your spirit would be upon us in this time. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, so for the topic for the next few weeks, I'd like to spend some time talking about worship. And uh, the, uh, I guess part of the reason for this is just because well, we're here every Sunday, and you know why? Why do we do the things that we do? What's at the heart and the core of what we're about? Uh, all of those those kinds of things that uh, we we might not necessarily spend a lot of time thinking about or talking about. And and, and so I want to uh, to dig into this topic with you in order to uh, to maybe help us have a better experience of Sunday morning, if that makes sense. So uh, some of the goals that, uh, that I have for us as, uh, as we're together, um, I want to investigate some of the history, some of the traditions that uh, are involved with how we worship, uh, maybe look at some of the opinions, uh, because there's a lot of freedom in the way that we do worship, and, and, and so there's, there's taste that comes into this, uh, and I, obviously from a particularly Lutheran context. Um, I'd like to spend some time uh, looking at the church here and talk a little bit about why we, uh, why we handle that differently than uh, other denominations do. Um, I was uh, talking with uh, Pastor Scott Wright from Redeemer Presbyterian Church, and uh, it was Ash Wednesday, uh, and I was at the gym and getting dressed for work, which meant on Ash Wednesday I was putting on my clerical stuff, um, and... Uh, um, I asked him, uh, you know, so, are, you know, it's Ash Wednesday. Are you, you doing anything today? He's like, yeah, no. <laughs> he goes, but do you know what the Congregational Church is doing today? And I was like, no, I don't know what the Congregational Church is doing today. Drive through ashes. He's <laughs> like, oh, oh my gosh. okay. <laughs> you know, and then that kind of, you know, a conversation about why ashes. And, you know, is there a context that drive through ashes could be pretty good? Is there a context where it's really just rather just show? Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, and I have no idea what they did, so I'm not, I'm not judging. Um, you know, but, you know, yeah, 
Um, and so we're going to talk about some of, some of that. Um, I want to spend a little bit of time talking about liturgy. Um, I think this is an important topic for us because we do some different things. The church that I grew up in, um, well, when I was really little, uh, it, it, there, were, there were two options, pages 5 and 15. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, uh, um, and somewhere around 1984, when I was 5th, 6th grade, somewhere in there, um, we, uh, we got the uh, Lutheran worship hymnal. Mm-hmm. So um, the, the one that's in the, uh, the hymn, er, in uh, uh, our pews, is the Lutheran Book of Worship. Um, and then there was one that came after that. That's the one, the one that came after is the one that we had. And, um, uh, and all of a sudden we had some different options that we had never experienced before, like <coughs> matins. You know, and I love matins. Uh, it's a beautiful service. You know, have you ever wondered why we don't do matins here? Because nobody's up. <laughs> no, it's a non-communion service. You know, and so... Don't you, don't you do it on... During the Advent, sir, I mean, uh, Advent and... Life That's Vespers. Vespers. Yeah. And where did those names, Matins and Vespers, come from? You know, and we'll spend some time, hopefully, talking about some of that, too. Uh, and then, um, just maybe some appreciation for the way that we conduct our services, the way that we do them. Um, because if we look at the liturgy, you'll see that what we do doesn't really exactly fit... Um, anything that's going on out there. Um, and then uh, I hope that we can see the liturgy as a tool to do some important things. One, proclaim the law and the gospel, uh, that it is something that points us to Christ and helps us to be uh, united in, in hope. So what do you think of when you hear the word worship? Church, okay. Church. This, this is not me, you know, you're right or wrong. No. Um, yeah. So, you know, say that again. Hallowed be thy name. Okay. Praise. Praise. All right. The third commandment. In the Lutheran counting, or the. Uh... <laughs> well, I think of it as not in church. Okay. All right. Music. Music. Communicating with God. All right. Communicating with God. Communion. All right. Communion. Psalms. Psalms. All right. I think about God coming to us. Okay. I think a lot of times we think of worship as we're giving something to God that's really God coming to us. Okay. You sound like a Lutheran. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Bill? Fellowship. Fellowship, okay. Awe. Awe, all right. Readings. Word and sacrament. Word and sacrament. Readings. Readings, okay. There's a part of me that thinks about getting down on your knees and genuflecting and all that kind of stuff. Even though we don't do it, somewhere in the back of my mind, I'm thinking things like that. Okay, all right. Liturgy. Liturgy, all right. Pray, praise, and give thanks. That I think I've read that somewhere. Yeah. Part of the small catechism, yeah. Okay, I'll go non-Lutheran. Raising your hand. Okay, all right. There you go. Amen. Sermons. All right, sermons, yeah. Getting the hands in the air, too, okay. It's kind of both. It's the on our knees and our arms raised, you know? It's... Mm. But we don't raise our But I mean, it, it, it should be like just the, the awe and wonder of the I'm not worthy and the but you are. You know, it's, mm. it's <clears throat> confession and absolution. You know, it's kind of the, the long gospel both. Okay. Not, not Sunday school. Not Sunday school. Okay. Um, actually, okay, first tangent. <laughs> Did you know that Sunday school uh, uh, is a particularly American phenomenon? And, and, uh, and not peculiarly Lutheran. Uh, the Baptists brought that to us. And that's not to say that it's a bad thing or anything like that. Um, but, uh, um, yeah, that was handled very differently uh, in, in years past 
you know, in terms of what we would call catechesis, you know, raising children in the faith, that was something that happened more in the home than uh, at church. And it's, it's kind of an interesting thing because um, I, I, I see some serious pluses and minuses to that. You know, on the, on the plus side, you know, boy, isn't it great to have the kids get together and they can have a good time and they can study God's word together and, you know, hopefully they have a really great experience and, they, you know, the broader body of the church coming together. On the other hand, um, I suspect that um, because we've, in a sense, professionalized Sunday school, that it doesn't happen as much in the home as it would have in years past. Ask the, the yeah, yeah. The other problem with home devotions is that it's always mom and pop. And the kids need a more diverse yeah, but exposure. The, but that cuts both ways too. Yeah. You know, because um, the number one influence in a child's life is mom and pop. Mm-hmm. And... Um, uh, the Lutheran Hour Ministries just put out a, a study talking about, you know, kids, you know, because this is something that, that we're dealing with, you know, kids that stick in church and kids that leave. And what they're finding is that when mom and dad have conversations, spiritual conversations with their kids at home, they're much more likely to stay with the church after they leave home. So, all right, back to worship. Here's an image. What, what does this image say to you in terms of, of, of worship? It says awe. Awe, okay. All right. Formal in, in church. Formal, in, okay. In church. All right. History. History. A lot of those churches that have beautiful stained glass windows. Okay, okay, yeah. There's kind of that, um, the saints who have gone before, you know, yeah. Institutional. <clears throat> okay, there could be a sense of institutional to it, too. Light. Yeah? Because a lot of them... Oh, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. But, you know, if you look back in the Middle Ages, the great cathedrals were very distinct from almost, I think, any other building. In that Absolutely. they had all this light coming in. Mm-hmm. Or any place else, you got candles, maybe. Mm-hmm. <coughs> yeah? Um, Lori, I don't want to miss what you said. That was important. No, no. No, no, please. No, I was just saying beauty yeah. and joy. It oh, yeah. just kind of makes it inspirational. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Beauty matters. Mm-hmm. I was driving up this morning and going, oh, wouldn't it be so cool to have stained glass in our new cross <laughs> window? <laughs> anyway, just... Yeah. I know, but it's still... I was For a donation oh. of a couple hundred thousand dollars, we could probably make that happen. Do that? Oh, I'll write you a check. <laughs> How about this image? Not enough context. Not enough context. Interesting. Why, Mike? You don't know what's going on. I mean, it could be a secular concert or a Christian concert. Yeah, that's that is actually what struck me. Basically, I googled worship. Okay. And, uh, and that is, you know, one of the images that, that came up. So apparently this is at a church somewhere. And, uh, but I had a very similar thought to what you just expressed there. Is, is that church or is that a concert? Or a wrestling match. <laughs> or a wrestling match. <laughs> well, I like this image of the rainbows over <clears throat> Yeah, well, I can't control that one, so. <laughs> I know, it's like coming through those. So yes. So yeah, very cool. Did, did you get an image of, uh, of uh, Muslim worshipers, you know, in order? That's the opposite of that, yeah. where they're in order. Yeah, you know, no, but that, that, that I don't, all the, the images that, I, and all I did was I typed worship. Not Christian worship. I didn't type Christian right, right. or, um, I did do liturgical to get some of these, but uh uh, you know, no, that is not an image that, that came up, but that is an image that's important that we're going to uh, uh, not talk about necessarily in a Muslim context, but to, to talk about in terms of what is worship. All right, what 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 do you what do you see here? No. A praise service. Sorry, just 
yeah, the question they're... about that. You've got, you know, hundreds of, of guys on their knees and foreheads praying. Now, is that, you know, is that corporate prayer or is that private prayer? <laughs> that, that's actually an interesting thing because, you know, they gather corporately, but my understanding is that the practice is primarily private. Yeah. That's kind of my thought, too. Yeah. Yeah. And then they have a more corporate, um, almost more educational uh, type, which would be kind of corresponding to like a, a sermon uh, at a different time. And unlike Catholics, I think it's voluntary for them to go, whereas Catholics, the, they have to go. Yeah, but the time of prayer is not voluntary. Right. All right. So let's back to this image. What, oh, what, 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 do, you, what do you see here? White. Okay, we got light coming in. No, white. white. Oh, white, yeah. It's a very white congregation. Oh, uh, Caucasian. Caucasian. Gotcha, white. okay, yes. all right. Yes, and I think because the walls are white, it's just, I mean, the white overall, but, you know, there ain't no color there. Okay, yeah, I didn't actually even notice that. Thank you. There's kids. Okay, there's some children in there. The cross. Okay, you got the cross at the front. Looks like it's probably more traditional. Uh huh. But notice we got we got some you know hold the baby going on here. You know, <laughs> and they're not up high. You know? a, little, a little bit of you know. Not Lutheran. Wash the windows. Wash the windows. What's with the two hands? Goalposts. Goalposts. Touchdown. Yeah. You know, got a little bit of that going on. Doesn't look Lutheran. Does it? I don't know. Oh, it's got the banner. That's a very yeah. Lutheran banner over there. Yeah, but the you don't see many Lutherans doing this. Yeah, that's, that's why they're doing <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're low. Yeah, very many of them. Yeah. yeah. Actually, I, I hope that we can spend some time talking about architecture, too. But uh, notice the placement of the, the altar. Yeah, it's on the same level as the people. Uh, and actually, no, it's, it's back. And it's, and it's against yeah. the wall. Yeah. And uh, I believe that communion is on it. However, if you look at the pastor, I believe that's the pastor in the front. Yeah. Yeah. He's wearing a black robe with a white stole. Okay. And, and that's not typical of Lutheranism. But, uh, yeah. yeah. So there, there's some, some, maybe some messages in that. How about this one? Our, this is old, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, Dick. Our, our got lots of stuff going altar on. used to be in the back wall. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then it was brought forward to be a freestanding altar. Mm-hmm. And then the, the cabinetry was, was from the dorsal curtain was made as a result of that. Yeah, um, that, that was actually a big deal when it happened among Lutheran ch churches uh, because the primary architecture in Lutheran churches was that the, um, the, uh, the altar would be connected to the wall. The problem with that is during the institution of the Lord's Supper, yeah. Pastor's, back. pastor's back is to the congregation. Yeah, you know, and, and this this isn't this isn't a right or a wrong thing. It's just a thing. Yeah. You know, in terms of how do we do it? Because it doesn't say in the Bible you must face away for, during the, the prayers. Needle the toe goes all the way around. I, mean, I, I think that there I think that there can be merits for both types. Absolutely, sure. I mean, absolutely. If you if you're sure your your back is your back is facing the congregation. But, it, but your front is facing the cross. And you're facing the same way as the full assembly of the people of God. Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah, you know, so you know, so why do we do what us, we do? Right, right. You know? Because we've always done it that way. There's truth in that. You know, but Which is a very Lutheran concept. But there, but there are reasons mm -hmm. you know, that we, if we dig into some of these things that we've made the choices that we, we made. So... This is, this is a very old picture. This is, a, uh, this is done by Cronach, if you've heard of him. Uh, he was a friend of a guy named Marty Luther. Uh -huh. and, uh, and he drew this as a, a representation of what worship is about. Um, so what do, you, what do you see? I see a baptism, and the baptism looks like a chalice. Okay, that, that's interesting. Did you hear that? There's a baptism going on. The baptismal font looks rather like a chalice, mm -hmm. like a communion yeah. chalice. Yeah. Communion in both. Yeah. Communion in both kinds. Yes. Um, that would have been a very big deal at the time. You get the bread and the wine. And you've got your, your pastor. Got the, the pastor who is preaching. 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 All right. 
Yes. What's that? Preaching from the word. From the word, right? Is that the choir in the back or? The I don't think it's necessarily the choir. I think it's the, the gathered list. congregation. Who's holding the book? Is that the pastor holding the book for the baptism? Well, there's two pastors. No. Yeah, there, there's another pastor. Yes. This is right. an acolyte. Okay. Oh, oh, he's holding the book. Okay, I wasn't sure if that was. So there's no music in this picture. Uh, nope, there's no music in the picture. Because I was thinking that would be certainly if we're trying to get all points of worship in this. What's going on lower right? Yeah, I was just looking at that. They're yeah. praying. They're praying. They they're praying. praying. Yeah, they've got their hands together in prayer. Okay. Interesting, no music though. It's kind of yeah. sad. It's a very, it's a very Renaissance bisected picture yep. with the cross at the center. Notice that is, and that is it intentional. Is mm -hmm. The cross, the cross yeah. is the center of the whole focus. thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there's and, a Jesus on the cross. And, yeah, and then there is a corpus on the cross. Yeah. Um, you know, so. Uh, yeah, Lutherans do that actually. Mm -hmm. Well, it, it's not just the center. There's a V. Yeah. Coming down from it, mm -hmm. arms extended over the two parts. Yes. I mean, it's, it's really all encompassing. It's yeah. almost a heart. I was going to say <laughs> so, the right center. Yeah. Yeah. Almost when yeah, you look it at the windows like a heart. too. Yeah. Is there some theology about worship in here? Mm -hmm. In terms of how at least Cronach understood what's what's going on when we gather for worship. Did men and women commune in different lines? What was the question? Did, did men and women commune in different lines? I actually don't know. Um, I, I, I know that uh, you know, there were obviously churches where men and women sat on opposite sides. And, and you know, that would seem to me that, that uh, probably just out of the logistics. Um, but that wasn't always the case. Okay. Um, so families sat together in Renaissance? Um, I don't know. I actually don't know that. Yeah. Uh, before I was born, which was ages ago, at Zion, the men sat on... The, Downtown? Yeah. Akron? Zion, yeah. The, the men sat on the pulpit side and the women and children sat on the other. And I did not know that until after a while I noticed that on the one side there were these metal things under the pews in front and I asked about it. And those <coughs> things were to hold the men's hats. Oh. They were only on one side. Yeah. And then I asked oh, questions and found out that the men sat on one side, the women and the kids sat on the other side. Yep. I am noticing there's no chairs. There's no place to sit except on the floor. Oh, yeah. For a long time they didn't yeah. have yeah. yeah. So. No, that was pretty normal for the congregation yeah. to stand. Just stand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. well, um, some wires now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The sermon yeah. must have been really long. The sermons, there are copies of uh, sermons from that time around Luther's cop, you know, sermons. They're in his uh, collections of his works. Mm -hmm. They probably would have run about 45 minutes. Uh, and you were standing. So just keep that in mind when I go yeah. a little long. Yeah. 18 minutes is like my long end. <clears throat> the Puritans, um, uh, the Puritans. First of all, they they were very regimented, so they put families in boxes. Yep. Um, and, then, and then, secondly, um, worship for them could run from four to eight hours. Yeah. You know, just on Sunday, that isn't counting the four hours on Saturday evening. Right. I I went to a missions conference in, at the St. Louis Seminary. And there was a man from Africa there that was becoming a pastor, and he told me that, like, in Africa, the sermon's done when it's done. If it takes two minutes, yeah. that he, what the pastor wants to say, or four hours. Yeah. And he didn't understand. He said, I don't know why you do this 15-minute thing. <laughs> when I was working on my doctorate, um, there was one weekend that uh, I went to New York City and had a, a cross-cultural experience. And so in that, visited several different ethnic churches. And uh, one of them was on Staten Island, and um, it was a, a church of African immigrants. And it was fascinating and beautiful. And uh, there were three sermons. Oh. And we were there for a couple hours. <laughs> you know, and they told us, you know, be ready. And, uh, I mean, women dressed in the most beautiful kinta cloth mm. with the headdress and, and all of that. Um, men in, I mean, suits, I mean, they, yeah, sharp, yeah, and, uh, you know, it, it was amazing, and uh, um, the offering took over a half an hour, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it was, it was, there was this huge ritual with it, because um, 
they, they would bring out a, like, like a laundry basket and they set it out in the front of the altar and people came forward. And, you know, and it was usually, you know, one or two at a time. And, you know, they would put a little bit in and they would turn to their seats and the music got going and the music got going and people started dancing. Mm-hmm. And they would dance as they came forward and they would put their offering. And then after a while, the same people who had already given would dance and give again. Mm-hmm. And they would usually give about three times is what we were told. You know, they would dance forward and, and give their offerings. Did you dance up there? Maybe it's you bet. I mean, are you kidding me? What a celebration. What a nice Yeah, it, exactly. Yeah. What, what does... Uh, just remember, when, when we were in... Uh, we we were in a a, a, a musical in uh, college. Oh they started us in the front, and they moved us kind of the back, and the next thing you know, we're kind of back behind the curtain. We were stage. <laughs> <laughs> what does this say about worship? That looks grand. Okay. Yeah. Obviously, some kind of it's a cathedral. Yes. Yeah. Up. Yeah. It's up. intended up. to yeah, direct your attention upward. Yep. There's a feeling of transcendence there, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. The ch- the By the way, if any of you guys actually end up being able to go to Rome, um, Saint Peter's Cathedral. One of the interesting thing, it, one of the interesting things is, is that it was originally intended to look like a Greek cross, so you know, like equal, yep. equal sided, um, and then it was extended to look like a Latin cross. But what that did was instead of so St. Peter's Cathedral is really, really tall. Yeah. If it was a Greek cross, when you went in, you would be immediately directed upward. But it's not. It's a Latin cross, which means that, that you're immediately directed forward. forward. And I kind of wonder if that was intentional, whether that change was intentional. Well, I mean, they, they, they definitely had to, you know, have plans to add to it, so... Um, when we talk about worship, we are people who live in a particular place and at a particular time who speak a particular language. Yes. And language informs the way that we, we look at things. And, uh, and so um, when, we, when we talk about theological things, and I think even other I, I, you know, parts of our lives, sometimes it's helpful to define our terms and to think about w- what it is that we're saying. And so uh, when we say worship, uh, worship comes from an old English uh, etymology saying worth-ship. You know, so if you were to read it in, in like an old... Um, English. And so basically, it's ascribing worth, saying that something is worthy. You know, and, and so um, something is maybe even valuable. And so worship, properly speaking, in terms of what the word means, is to ascribe worth to something. And is it legitimate to say that God is worthy? Yes. Yeah. It's an understatement. Okay. Um, in order to think about this a little bit, uh, I said, well, where, where does the Bible say God is Worthy. And I found two spots, or maybe one and a half. Um, because the first is one that uh, comes from the Psalms, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. We actually had a song um, in college that we would sing, you know, um, and that was basically the line, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. And, uh, okay, so God is worthy. This has been the part of the worship of the Old Testament, you know, to say that God is worthy. So I decided to look it up in the Hebrew. And guess what word is not there? Worthy. Worthy. Now, as I say that, I actually don't have a problem with translating that way because it's, it's actually uh, a, a little bit difficult because what you've got going on here is um, when I translated it, this, this thing about, I will call upon the one to be praising. That's not good English. Okay? No, Hebrew is not always easy to bring into English. What we actually have there is a participle, and it's being used as a noun, which is a gerund. 
right? Ooh, Ooh it's for a, you. Is it a? Uh, is it a? Um, uh, is it a? Uh, giant. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Wes. I've got it. I've got it. Is it a? Um, it was just in my. It was just in my. Yes. Can I please uh, go up here? Because it's a. Um, it was bigger than a bread box. Yeah. way that I can show it. It's a, it's, it's a, um, I can't believe that I can't remember the name of this. It's a construction that is both in Latin and Greek, and from what I'm seeing here, it might be in Hebrew as well, where um, it implies a, uh, it implies a purpose, or it implies oh. a, a um, it's a construction that implies a, uh, a, a need, or something that is necessary. Um, no. Passive paraphrastic, that's what yeah. I was thinking of. No, Hebrew doesn't have that. Um, it has a lot of loosey-goosiness to it. <laughs> that's okay. Yeah, actually, I shouldn't call it loosey-goosiness. Hebrew has this, this range in, in the meaning of the words and in the way that the words get used. But if we're going to think about worship in terms of worth then, you know, if this is going to be one of our proof texts, I think that we're in, in kind of a problematic place. Dick says, no, that's not problematic at all. No, no, I agree with you. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> However, in Revelation chapter 4, in the worship of heaven, worthy are you, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by you... Um, they existed. I got great typos. Uh, by you, uh, by your will, they existed and were created. Um, and that word, it actually is there. And for our Greekophiles, the word is axios. Um, and uh, this word literally means something that will balance the scales. So it's a weight type of an idea. In fact, the word glory um, means weighty. You know, and so if something is worthy, it means that you're making a comparison and it balances the scale. And, uh, you know, you are worthy to receive glory and honor and power. And, um, and, and the common usage, you know, that word corresponding, fitting, proper, worthy. You know, and so it's not a bad thing, but I think that it gets a little bit slippery when we look at other terms that uh, the Bible uses to talk about Worship, yeah. My Bible index dictionary says, Worship means to bow down, an act of highest respect, praising and serving someone who is worthy. Only God is worthy of worship. Sin comes from worshiping and serving something instead of the true God. <coughs> Followers of Jesus give their whole lives to worship to God. Yeah, so take a look at some of the other words that get translated as, you know, worship. You know, and, uh, what time is it? Okay. Um, so when we talk about the word worship, I use the English Standard Version, which is what we use in church, and I just looked up the word worship. It shows up 110 times to translate 13 different words, nine words from the Old Testament and four in the New Testament. And I will tell you that the ones that just dominate are the ones at the top here on, on both columns. Now, these weird letters... I just transliterated some, some Hebrew, okay? They don't matter, actually. Uh, Hebrew words are based on three-letter patterns, and, uh, um, and uh, I just put those there to say, you know, there, there's a word, chawa, and that means to bow down low and to prostrate. Make sure you get that second R in there, by the way. Uh, one's self. <laughs> That'd be a curious verb. Yeah, that's it would. <laughs> Do these appear in context without it being worship of God? So, yes. for example, Nebuchadnezzar and the, the statue? Sadat. Yeah. To do homage. Which is interesting because, you know, that's a later time period. And, uh, um, and some of the, uh, the, the, under, the words and the vocabulary become more specialized. 
you know, and uh, you know, so yeah, it does come up in that context. Mm -hmm. A rabbi once told me that he thought the, the pronunciation of the name of God actually could might be because those consonants don't actually have sounds associated with them. Um, yeah, when, when, when God speaks to Moses at the, uh, the burning bush, um, he says to him, I am who I am, which, you know, in, in the more common pronunciation... Um, the word for uh, uh, to be is uh, hawa, um, no haya, and uh, um, and, and so it becomes ehya ehya. You hear all the in that, you know, and, and that means I am the one that I am, and uh, and so okay, I am who I am. How do I speak of I am? He is, right, and that's what Yahweh. Um, is actually um, if you're you know parsing verbs, which man, there's a lot of grammar in this class. This is terrible. Um, you do this with a middle school student? No, I do not. <laughs> uh, and, actually, I do bits and pieces of it with them, but uh, um, but only when it's I think hopefully helpful. So look at all these words that the, that we get um, our uh, our word worship or that would get translated as worship. Because I think that this then gives us a broader picture of what does the Bible think of, um, not that the Bible actually thinks, uh, but you know, what's a biblical thinking in terms of what does it mean to worship? To bow low, prostrate oneself, to make or to do. Um, that one comes up in Deuteronomy 12 when God says, you shall not do for me as you do for the gods of the Canaanites. Um, fear, serve, seek. Again, bow down, but a different, different word. Which Hebrew poetry um, likes to take things and, and put pictures next to each other, repeat it in a different way. Um, in, in that same verse, you have uh, that bow down, and you also have uh, the top bow down, prostrate oneself. Um, How are they different kinds of bow downs? I mean, what's the... Probably not. Okay, so it's not like yeah. one is somehow different I needed a different word that means the same thing. Okay. That's kind of how Hebrew works. Okay. It's kind of weird. Okay. They it's make very it up cool. as they go. No, they, not so much they make it up as they go, but um, it, they'll have multiple words that mean a, a range of things. Mm -hmm. Hey, now, what us as English speakers pause and consider our words when we say that another language is weird? Oh, yes. oh I'm, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. English is very weird, um, but uh, that doesn't mean Hebrew isn't. Um, it's hard and it's difficult. <laughs> there you go, yeah. Good Hebrew poetry right there. Um, minister, serve, do homage, pay reverence. Those are all Old Testament ideas behind what does it mean to worship. In the New Testament, um, the, the primary word is proskuneo, which means to bow down to kiss the feet, to bend the knee, <coughs> to revere, to adore. Is that to kiss your own feet? What's that? Is that to kiss your own no. feet? No. No. Okay. No, I... Oh, you got to be flexible. Well, I know. I'm yeah. just <laughs> you got to be an infant to do that. I'm like... Speaking of difficult... It's only for four-year-olds. Yeah. Serve. Six-month-olds can get that yeah. foot in the mouth. Yeah. But again, because this is a later time, you, you have some, uh, some more specialized type of language. This word, uh, latroio, um, to serve, it's only used in religious contexts. Um, and then, uh, I don't know if you noticed this, but these are all verbs until I get to the very last one, which was a noun, um, threskia, um, worship. And it's only used once, uh, talking about the worship of angels, you know, saying, don't do that. Oh, we, we have words that, we use words that mean the same thing, like that's what you oh, absolutely. look up in a thesaurus. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. But I think this is actually one of the brilliances of Hebrew poetry and God choosing Hebrew as the language of the Old Testament and a 
the original language of worship because the psalms come across beautifully into English. Uh, I'm reading the, uh, the Iliad um, at home, and the Greek coming to English is very, very challenging. Are you reading it in Greek? No. <laughs> no, I'm, re- I'm, I'm reading this for fun. And, okay. you know, and, um, and, uh, you know, and so Greek poetry, you've got this meter and all of this stuff to it that's got to fit together. In English, it's, in English, it's yeah, that's, that's hard to do. Yeah. I, I, I think that every year when Catherine Winkworth's birthday comes along, we should have a big celebration. <laughs> Who is she? She translated many of our hymns from German into English okay. and did a beautiful job. Yeah. <laughs> One word became a verse. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah because sometimes German words are that long. Yeah. <laughs> Don't come up with a new word, just add something to the Yeah, Exactly. Um, and then I, I put a, a bonus word in there because this is another word that gets very much connected to worship. And it's this word, uh, liturgia, uh, which means public ministry or service. And this is, what, this is the word that describes what priests do. Is that where we get liturgy? It is where we get liturgy. And so I thought that better be included because it's an mm-hmm. important word for what we do when we, in English, worship. Hmm. Yeah. When, when I first came in, I, I figured we want to, you wanted a definition of worship, and I wrote the first thing I wrote down was honor. Ah. I don't see honor up there at all. Nope. Nope. Closest is Daniel. Yes. Um, and uh, and when you get into Revelation, you are worthy to receive. And honor is in the list of what the, you know. God is worthy to receive. Mm-hmm. Um, when we speak of, of worship in Lutheran circles, um, theologically, uh, we don't usually use the word worship. <clears throat> and guys who are really uptight about this will make a big deal about it. Um, when you read through the way that Luther talked about worship, he used this word that I think he made up. Yeah, this is along lines of what you were mentioning. But the word is Gottesdienst, which literally means God's service. And so when you, when you look in, in uh, the hymnals, um, it, it won't say, you know, worship service one, you know, in Lutheran hymnals. It'll say divine service. You know, and so when we do the liturgy, um, that's divine service one. That's what we'll do. Uh, is that next week? Yeah, that's what we'll do next week. And then the fourth week month of the four, fourth week of the month, we do divine service four. Okay, and, and it's just a worship service. It's just the liturgy that we're going to use. But this is the name that that Luther uses for talking about what happens when we gather together on Sunday morning. And what I think is brilliant about this word is that it is ambiguous. You know, is the divine service, does that mean that, that the divine is serving us? Yes. Or does it mean that the divine is receiving service from us? Yes. And, yeah, I think it's intended to kind of make us think both. a little bit of both. both. Yeah. And when you look at the way that our worship service goes... What does every, right after the opening hymn, what's the very first thing that we always do? Invocation and 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 confession confession and absolution. Mm -hmm. Who's doing what in confession and absolution? Us. Us. We're confessing our sins and then... And he's forgiving us. Yeah. But you can't confess your sins without God being involved. True enough. Not unto salvation, anyhow. Well, because on our own, we, we admit that the other guy is sin, but it's real hard for us to admit, admit our own. And I think God has to come through us and say, hey, wait. Yeah, I, I think you would be better to say um, we cannot thoroughly confess mm-hmm. because, oh, I'll admit I was wrong about yeah. these or, things, but I'm not going to talk about those things. You know, so, um, but yeah. The whole thing as we get started is all about what God does for 
us. And then we respond to that. You know, after that, we, we have some prayers and we usually sing some kind of a hymn of praise. Then we listen to God's word. And God works through his word. You know, and, and then, you know, after the sermon, after we've listened to the word, we pray, where we take the words that we have heard and, uh, and we return them back to God. You know, and, and, and there is like this, this back and forth. The Lord's Supper, who is active in the Lord's Supper? God is giving us Christ's body and blood for the forgiveness of our sins. He gives us faith that we may receive this gift in order to give us this life and salvation. You know, and, and this, is, this is actually one, one of the things that, that I find when I look at how other denominations worship is significant about the way that we look at worship. Is it you know, God-centered, or is it man-centered in terms of the activity? And then if it is God-centered, then what is our place in it? To receive. And then, and I'm pointing at you because you talked about worship being what happens when we go out and we live our lives. Right. That's not to say that when we praise and all of those things, that those aren't genuine responses, because they are. But they're rooted in what God is doing. Yeah. The other word I was got to thinking about it was community, because that's, mm. that's where it comes together. Because worship is something that we should be doing 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. But it's important that we come together to do some of it as a group, because we gain from that, and we reinforce each other. Yeah. Yeah. And in and of ourselves, we can't do anything good. So anything we do good in worship is because God came through us and enabled us to do it. Yeah. Because we're still mud. So some principles to uh, to guide our worship. In Ephesians chapter two. <coughs> um, I'll speak about this one. And I'm going to leave the next one from Revelations, Revelation 4 and 5 um, for you to, uh, to meditate on your own. This is one of the things I can't do with kids. You know, with kids, it's like, okay, I have to cover this. You're adults. You're responsible people. You are here voluntarily. And so if you truly want to you know, learn and grow, that means that you can take this out on your own at home. That's not very Lutheran of you. I say that my will is bound to be here. <laughs> so Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 starts with this idea that you were dead in trespasses and sins. And this is, this is the beginning of our relationship with God. That we are dead. But now, Paul goes on, you are alive with Christ. So now there's some activity happening here. But this is God at work in us to make us alive in our relationship with him. The very famous passage in in Ephesians chapter 2, you've been saved by grace through faith. And it's not something in yourselves, you know, but it's a gift from God. You know, so all of this, you know, it's God working in our lives. And then you get to verse 10. And I would love for somebody to read verse 10 if you've got it. So we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We, we are God's workmanship prepared for good works. The word workmanship, if I were to bring it into English, would be this word. Yeah. You're a work of art. (laughs) Nobody ever accused me of that before. You are God's artistic work to bring life and salvation and beauty and virtue and wonder and glory into the world. I might just be a limerick. <laughs> you know, you know, it, it takes a little bit of thinking to put a good, uh, good limerick together. Um, 
What's the significance of the rope on the slide? <clears throat> oh, I have no idea. <laughs> I, I just, I needed something for Ephesians 2. But, okay. <laughs> but God uh-huh. is significant <clears throat> to what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. Because the whole relationship of worship is, is you know, but God did this. Mm-hmm. And part of our good works is to declare the deeds who have called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, that happens in our day-to-day lives as we're interacting with people, but it happens corporately when we come together. We're proclaiming what God has done. When we come together in worship, aren't we preaching the gospel to each other? Aren't we reminding one another, testifying to one another of... (coughs) what Jesus has done, how he has died and risen for us. You know, we use this word evangelism to talk about going out into the world and sharing the gospel. How many of you need to hear the gospel? Yeah, it may be a little bit of a different, you know, context when we talk about it, but we still need to hear the gospel. You and I need to be evangelized. Before Jesus ascended into heaven, he says, you know, you will be my witnesses. And that's part of what we're doing when we gather together is we are being Christ's witnesses to each other. And that that corporate connection is important for that so that we hear those words spoken. Your sins are forgiven. And that God is at work in our lives still to bring forgiveness and transformation to us so that when we go out into the world we carry that good news with us in order to have that opportunity to share it with with others now i'm really i'm over time um, but i do want to say something if you read revelation four and five here are the things to look for Look for when the saints in heaven uh, worship. What do they worship God for? In chapter 4, it's going to be talking specifically to the Father. In chapter 5, it's about the Lamb. And what is the focus of of, of the words that they use? What's the activity that, that God is doing that they're responding to? Does that make sense? Could you put the slide up? I just want to see the Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Somebody's uh, imagination of that scene. Okay. Got the four living beings and yeah. angels and, and the saints and all of that stuff. So, all right, let's pray and then uh, we got to go to church, most of us. Father in heaven, we thank and praise you uh, for the opportunity to gather around your word and your sacraments. And as we take time to talk about worship, we pray that you would bless our conversation, and that you would help us to, uh, to grow in our appreciation for the work that you're doing in our lives. And as you give us life, the work you do through us, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm-hmm.